What's up, Grizz Nation? Welcome to the show. It is David and Isaac. We are here. We are hosting the Memphis Grizzlies. Man, destroyed the Milwaukee Bucks, 127-102. I did not expect this last night. I I thought the Grizzlies would compete with the Bucks. We were kind of not clear whether Giannis was going to play or not. Um, and, and the uh, pregame presser, Coach Budenholzer said he's going to be a true game time decision. So, you know, Coach Speak, Giannis didn't end up playing, but it did not really make a difference. I guess it did. If he didn't play, the Grizzlies probably win this game by 70 because the Bucks <laughs> could not function when Giannis wasn't on the floor. Yeah, man. I mean, it's amazing what this Grizzlies team is doing, man. 127, 102. Uh, like you said, it was a, Giannis was a game-time decision. We knew Chris Milton. Probably in the game, Drew Holiday did not not play uh, in the game. But, honestly, I don't think it would have made much of a difference. I think the Grizzlies still win this game last night. Even if Drew Holiday had played, they might not win by 25. But I think they win the game. And and, and me and David were talking about this last night. I mean, the Grizzlies just – when Giannis was off the floor, I mean, they just dominated this game. And and that's why they win it by such a large margin. I mean, the Bucs just could not – do anything to stop this team. Uh, I mean, the Grizzlies were just basically getting whatever they wanted on, on the offensive end and defensively. I mean, they played really well last night as well. I mean, to hold this team to 102 points. I mean, the, the Bucks average, I think, around 115. Uh, so that's a 13-point differential off their, their season average. I mean, that's just tremendous. And, and I don't know if we've ever seen a team be able to function without a guy to level a job Morant the way the Grizzlies have this season. Now 17-2 and two with, without Ja. Um, and you're talking about defending world champions. I know they were missing Drew Holiday, but this is two games in a row now. Uh, you, you saw them beat the Brooklyn Nets uh, without Ja. Uh, and, and you and the thing about that game is you got KD and Kyrie going off. I mean, they combined for 78 points in that game. And the Grizzlies still won that game going away by double digits by 12 points. And, and similar tonight, I mean, this is you, – you were, again, missing Drew Holiday, but this is a really, really, really good Bucks team. A lot of people think – have a chance to, to go back to the finals and you beat this team by 25 points, take 127 on them and, and you, you don't have your superstar player. I mean, that's just special, special stuff. And I, people will keep trying to break it down and analyze it. Our team's better without John. This team is just good no matter what. I think that's the way to look at it. It shows the depth. It shows the the coaching acumen of Taylor Jenkins and his staff. And I just think it, it's very special what we're seeing right now. Yeah, it was full on bench mob dominance last night De'Anthony Melton went nuclear <laughs> and, you know he he just had a stretch where it didn't matter what he was throwing up it was going in put up 24 points on 8 of 11 shooting just ridiculous stuff he's been really really hot right now looking really good if he's playing at this level when the Grizzlies get to the playoffs it's going to be scary for other teams and i will legitimately say the Grizzlies have a shot at winning the title if you got D'Anthony Melton playing like this. But the the Grizzlies bench, they were a combined plus 73 for and, and that's not the I didn't count the the junk minutes there. So you know like the the garbage time minutes that we yeah. saw uh Santee and Eves Pond, Jericho. I, I didn't count those. That's Melton, Kyle Anderson, Xavier Tillman, and hey, uh Zaya Williams. Man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how I was just fixing to go there. He, when's the last time he really played significant minutes? It, it's been a while. Yeah. And here he is last night. X, it, it's unbelievable to me that he's able to go out after not playing for such a long period of time and go out and play at the level that he played. You look at the, like the box score, his numbers don't look all crazy impressive. Eight points, 11 rebounds. I didn't realize he had 11 rebounds. Yeah, that, he had 11. Than what I thought it pretty, was. pretty impressive for a guy but that hasn't been playing, for sure. The the thing, that it's not even the stats that, that impressed me. The job that he was able to do one-on-one versus Giannis yeah. last night, I don't think it'll get talked about enough. This He was fantastic against Giannis. Physical, staying in front of him, moving his feet, doing everything that he needed to do, and he made it really, really difficult. Giannis was was bullyballing a lot of people, but he wasn't doing that against X. And we've watched him. I remember there was a play last year where he got switched on to Chris Paul, and he stripped Chris Paul. Yeah, and so this yeah. just shows you, like, this is just another example 
of his versatility. And this is a guy that's not even getting constant playing time. Yeah, and I think we forget that and how good of a defender he is. He does a really good job. He doesn't get get beat much. Like, he's going to stay where he needs to be. He does a good job of crowding his guy, whoever he's guarding. It just makes it tough for him. And he did a really, really good job on on uh, Giannis last night. I was, in the post-game press conference, I wanted to ask him about that, and I didn't get a chance to, uh, about just being ready. We, we talk about with this team so much about next man up mentality and, and for a guy that, that hasn't been playing minutes to come in, have a game like he had last night, plus 18, highest on the team uh, last night. Like I said, eight points, 11 rebounds, even to do three and three assists, uh, two or three from the free throw line. I mean, he's just a fantastic job of stepping in and with, with Brandon Clark being out. And as you said, this is a guy that hasn't been in the rotation that, that's able to come in and give you these type of minutes. It's just amazing what, what this team has done uh, about it. People always talk about next man up, and that's kind of cliche, but with this team, it's real. I mean, this guy has not been playing, man. He came in to give you a big-time performance. Highest plus minus on the team at plus 18 was really big. But to, to go back to Melton, uh, I, I kind of tweeted as you a joke. I was like, man, I think Melton is the best three-point shooter in the history of, <laughs> of three-point shooting. That was even before he hadn't even had six then. That yeah, was no. the he had like two or three. But he said in the post-game press conference, he said, like, right now, I feel like every time I throw up a shot, I, I expect it to go in. He said that's how he's, he's feeling right now. And We've seen wild swings offensively with Melton. Last year, going into the playoffs, he was really on a downturn. Um, and you you kind of really hope this is what you get. Because if you get this from him off the bench, I think that raises the ceiling of this team tremendously. Because three-point shooting is kind of one of the things that that kind of make you go, hmm, when you go into the playoffs, it could be an issue for them. But if he, he's knocking down shots like that, I think that's a big plus for this team. Yeah, yeah, 100%, man. If you have him coming off of the bench and being that type of a threat, the other teams cannot – you can't play off of him. That's going to open it up for somebody else. Even if they're like, okay, we're not going to let him get the shots up, that's going to open it up for somebody else. And we talk about consistency with him. You see the, the ups and downs, kind of the roller coaster. And I, I was sitting there talking to um, Keith from Fast Bake Breakfast at the Nets game – I'm like, if he ever gets consistent, like he's going to be sixth man of the year consistently. We're going to see this, you know, over and over and over again that he's sixth man of the year because of everything that he's able to do. The, the last couple games, you didn't really see the the secondary stats from him. It was a lot of just scoring. And then yeah. last night, you kind of see he got into a little more, three rebounds, two assists, two steals, three steals, I'm sorry. But – he, you hadn't been seeing the defensive stats from him, and he generally brings he, – he's called Mr. Do-something for a reason. You generally see stats all the way across the board with the Anthony Melton and the fact that it's, you know, we, you're, you're missing your star player and he's stepping up at the level that he's stepping up. It's just incredible for the Grizzlies, and it's extremely fun to watch. Yeah, I mean, when when he gets going, the way, the way he's going last night, I mean, he can get on – these heaters, man, it just looked, you felt like every time he shot the basketball last night, it was going in. I mean, super efficient as well. Eight of 11 uh, for the field. Only eight makes it with 24 points. That's six three-pointers, six of nine, man. Just tr tremendous, tremendous stuff from him last night. And again, man, if you get that, I think one thing about this Grizzlies team, if they're making threes, it's going to be hard for anybody to beat them. Like, you, you, if that's the kind of the Achilles heel for this team. If they're knocking down threes, they're going to win most games. I think that stat, like, when they shoot over 35%, it's like some – ridiculous record. I don't know what it is off the top of my head, but I think that's kind of been proven out. Like, if they hit eight, nine, ten threes in a game, man, they're going to be be pretty hard to beat. Like, I mean, how many did they end up hitting last night? 13. I don't even have the 13. Yeah, yeah if, if they hit 13 threes, man, you're probably not not beating this team with everything else that they're able to do. But to talk about the bench, I think Kyle Anderson played a really good game last night as well, man. You just, even when it doesn't show up in the stat sheet, he just makes several winning plays a game. Like, it's just plays that he makes that intangible things that he brings and I, I'm hoping I'm hoping they resign him like I, I love the way that he's been playing as of late but you look at his stat line uh nine points four rebounds one steal two blocks I man three or six from the field did knock down a three two or two from the free throw line 20 minutes plus 13 I mean he was just doing good stuff last night and you see that you've seen it a lot consistently uh, I mean before this kind of last pass stretch he had kind of struggled and we we're talking about like what was his role going to be we we're talking about was Zaire going to get all the bits in the playoffs but he's kind of 
had a resurgency of late. Uh, he's not, not shooting the basketball, of course, the way that he did last season, but he's doing a lot of good stuff out there. And I think any winning basketball team can, can use a guy like that because, again, he's smart. He's not going to make a lot of mistakes, and, and he's going to make a lot of plays for you that help you win games. I think that going back to when we were covering the draft, uh, we had Mavs draft on, and he was talking about Jeremiah Robinson Earl. And I know this kind of seems out of left field, but but give me a second. I'm going to bring it back around here. He, he was t- talking about Jeremiah Robinson Earl and how he does not make bad plays. He doesn't make mistakes. And that's – Kyle Anderson is the same way. Like, he's not going to go out there and, and wow you with his stat line necessarily – but he's not going to make mistakes. He's going to be in the right places defensively. He's not going to be careless with the ball. He's going to take care of it, you know, and he's versatile on the defensive end. He can guard multiple positions. Just a lot of a lot of things that he does are not stats that you see on the sheet, but they are winning plays, and it's, it's huge. That, that's huge for the Grizzlies. I'm on board with you. I, I don't know what kind of money he's going to call for on the market, but I wouldn't mind seeing the Grizzlies go ahead and just lock him up, just keep him on. And obviously, you have to you have to look down the road. You have to see, okay, am I, if I sign him at this deal, am I going to be able to retain everybody? Because they're going to have to pay John Morant. You're going to have to pay Desmond Bain. And you know, the we'll see what happens with DB. On. Yeah. So it, it is. It, it's. I don't envy the guys that have to make those decisions because that's going to be tough. You're going to lose some people off of this team that make a huge impact because you have to manage the money part of it. So, you know, maybe the, the atmosphere, everything that's around the culture is something that they're like, okay, I want to play here. So I'm going to take less money to play here. I don't know if that's going to be a case. Maybe it will. I'm hoping that it will because I, I would if there was a way that they go into next season and they still have Tyus Jones and Kyle Anderson, yeah. man, I would be happy. I don't expect that to be the case, but I, I'm good with it if it does happen. Yeah, I especially don't think that'll be the case with Tyus. I know that a lot of Grizzly fans that are hoping that that he takes this this hometown discount, but I, I wouldn't blame him for going and getting that bag. I mean, they're they're I, I believe truly believe that there are places out there where he can go start and get paid. And I wouldn't blame him for taking those opportunities. I know, and you can tell all these guys love being here. I think Tyus and Kyle are two guys that especially kind of fit into that category. But I mean, at the end of the day, it's a business. And I think he's going to have opportunities that, that are probably going to be too bad, bad to pass up. And I wouldn't have any ill feelings for him at all to, to go and take advantage of those opportunities. With Kyle, I think it's a, a different case. I don't, I'm, I'm thinking right now, I don't know what his market would be uh, because you look at what he did last season and think it would have been a really robust market. Now, other teams, I mean, he does all these intangible things like we just talked about, but his numbers don't jump off the page. It's just, it'll be interesting to see how other teams would view him. Um, I, I, don't, I don't know how much he'd be, they'd be willing to pay him, but I think he might be a guy more, more so than Tyus that they could against and get get on a team-friendly deal. I think there's a, a, a opportunity for that to happen. But you also have to look at what they do in the draft. Are they going to bring in a, a, another wing guy? Uh, like I, I talk about a guy, that Keegan Murray, that I really love. He's probably going to be a, a little bit out of the greatest range. They probably have to move up to get him. But I think he's a guy that that can fill that role really nicely. Uh, a guy that can play some three, can play some four. I think he'd really, really be good next to, to Jaron Jackson Jr., if Jerry Jackson Jr. is at the five and some closing lineups once he, he matures and, and, and gets to the level to where he's playing in those spots. And he could also knock down threes. He's a good defender. I just love how he would fit into that team. Kind of reminds me a little bit of Kyle Kuzma a little bit, uh, kind of with some of the things that he does. I just think he'd be a good fit there. And if you bring in a guy like that, you're kind of thinking like where, if we're trying to develop him, we already have Zaire. Like where where you where does he kind of fit in? But again, I just think he's a guy that's so valuable for for elite basketball team. Because he's just going to come in and make make winning plays for you. Uh, another another record went down last night. Stephen Adams needed three rebounds to come into the game to break uh, Zebo's single season offensive rebound record. Uh, and what, how many did he end up getting? Six offensive rebounds. So he doubled it up, man. So these records are just falling night in and night out, man. I think that's just telling you how how special this season has been. 
We have a really good shot. Jaron Jackson Jr. is three block shots away from the single season record. Oh, he's gonna get there. He, he was he was five heading into last night's game. So it'll be three Monday night. I would like to see that happen at the forum. That that's you know, we, we got the offensive rebound record by Steven Adams. Was it happened at the forum? Desmond Bain a couple Desmond days Bain, earlier, yeah. the three point record for a season. It, it's this is to me, there's no debating this at all. It's not regardless of what their record is. They're four games away from tying the most wins in a season for this franchise. Five games away from breaking that record. That's going to be tough to do. Still a lot of tough games to play for them. Although if they play like this against everybody, it's not yeah. going to be all that tough. Like, yeah, everybody like, went out and they played like this. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I would like to see Jaron do that Monday night. Uh, against Golden State, that that would be incredible. Um, I've I've been fortunate enough. I was at the Nets game when Desmond Bain broke the the single season record, and then I was at last night's game whenever Stephen Adams got the uh, the rebounding record. So I hey Monday night I'm going to be there. Let's uh, fingers crossed that Jaron gets three blocks and moves into the lead for that. That would be incredible. I like being there for milestones. That's just kind of a, a random thing. Now, I was there when Conley um, became the the all time leading scorer for the Grizzlies, so yeah. it, it's it, it's fun. It's just something like as a sports guy to be there and be like, I was there in that moment. That's great. Um, we we were talking about Kyle Anderson. I kind of got off track a little bit there, um, but you, I think that you have to take into consideration the way that Aldama's been playing it, down in, in South Haven. Man, he. He has been a walking double-double down there, and I know that that is not Kyle Anderson's skill set, but ha- have you watched any video of what Aldama's been doing down there with the hustle? Yeah. Um, I mean, he's been tremendous, and I think both of us have said from first time we saw him play that he kind of is, is could be a bigger version of Kyle and do some of the – kind of feel that void, do some of those same things, and I still feel that way. Uh, you just, you just want to see – that production up at the NBA level. And again, while Kyle's here, it's going to be hard for him to, to kind of get those minutes because he's going to be a guy that, that plays some four. I don't think, I don't think he's really a center, even though it was despite his height, I think he's more of a, a four. Um, and that's the guy that they're trying to develop. And we know how, how, the, how this front office and this coaching staff has viewed development. I mean, they've done a t- tremendous job. You see what's happened with Zaire Williams. And I think more than anything, we talk about how, the, the goodwill that this front office and coach staff has done, I think developing players and identifying talent is probably their, their, their best attribute. Uh, and, and they identified Aldama. I mean, they wanted him so bad that they jumped up into the first round and gave him a, and, and made him a guaranteed player to, to take him there at the end of the first. So, I mean, they see something in him that, that they like and they, and they feel the project going forward. So again, man, that's, that's also you're a really good point. That's something else that you have to look at. With with Kyle because I mean you have to project going forward and where these guys are going to fit and if he's going to cause a, a decent amount of coin you want to make sure that they're that he's still going to be able to play that same role for you going forward and there's a lot of variables with that. Yep, yeah, for sure, man. That's uh, I'm not going to sit here and say that that I think that Aldama is going to be able to step in next year and and produce at the level that Kyle Anderson is. I don't know that for sure, but I'm confident in this coaching staff because yeah. of what we have witnessed them do with these guys. So I, I think that if you do end up losing both Kyle and Tyus, and I think that's the most likely scenario. Yeah, I agree. Because of let's if they don't get the Lakers pick and it's looking more and more like they're not going to get the pick as we get closer to the end of the season here, they're still setting on two first round picks. So you've got to open up roster space somewhere. Where's it going to come from? You've got Jarrett Culver is going to be gone. We know that he's not coming back. And then you have Tyus and Kyle Anderson. You could keep realistically keep one of those guys and then have, you know, your, your two first-round draft picks. It's going to be an interesting offseason. I wonder how many moves we're going to see from this Grizzlies team as last offseason was nuts. You, you saw moves all the time. The roster doesn't necessarily look all that different, but Zach Kleiman and company were extremely busy in last offseason. So I'm, I'm looking forward to this one. Not that I'm in a hurry to get there. I hope the Grizzlies make a deep playoff run. And we get to talk about basketball for a while here, but 
I'm excited because of what this front office has been able to do. Yeah, and I think if you listen to Zach Lyman's his last uh, press availability, he kind of foreshadowed that they're going to be active. Um, I, I think they plan on doing some things this year. Now, I think that Lakers pick is it, kind of a linchpin, and I think it kind of raises the ceiling on, on what you do because if you don't get that pick, you, you're talking too late first, like really late first. Uh, the Grizzlies one, who, who would have thought the Grizzlies one would end up being the, the latest of the three going into the season? I don't think anybody kind of suspected that. Uh, but to, to kind of talk about that that situation, Lakers are currently sitting in 11. So if, if at the end of the day, the, the Grizzlies would get that pick. Uh, and, and there's a couple couple variables here that I don't think get mentioned. E- even if the if the Lakers do end up inside the top 10, if they make the play-in and they make the playoffs, the Grizzlies still get that pick. Now, it wouldn't be a lottery pick. It would drop down to 15 to 16, wherever it ended up getting, but they would still get the pick. And then in the situation where the Lakers made the play-in and they, was, they were in the top 10, but they come out and make the playoffs, you can't get a lottery pick when you're in the playoffs. So they, they drop you, they automatically drop you down uh, to to out, outside of the top 14 when you make the playoffs. So that opportunity is still there. I saw a report uh, that said that AD is, is going to start some, some light on court activities on Monday. And they, I had heard something completely different a couple of days ago. I had heard he was nowhere near coming back, but I, I saw that report and someone thinking that he could be back to shooting for the first week of April. So that that's next week, but the, the Lakers have some tough games. They have a game at the Pelicans tonight, which is absolutely huge because you look at the next two games and they're at Dallas at Utah, which <laughs> we know right now that that, I don't see the winning these of those two games. Now you hope LeBron James is back tonight in New Orleans. He's questionable in the game. New Orleans on the back-to-back. They lost at home to the Spurs last night. So they're going to be coming back looking to get a victory because they're they're trying to hold off. Both of these teams are trying to hold off the Spurs because uh, they still have an opportunity to to jump in there and, and knock one of those two teams out. So this is a big one tonight, man. If, you, if you're a Grizzlies fan and you're interested in that pick, if you don't want to go into the play like I am, I don't want to go into the play in a situation to where they have to make the playoffs in order for the Grizzlies to make the pick. I would like to have both options available. I'd like it to be done that they're at least going to get the pick. It's just where it's going to be. It's a nice, a big game in that. I mean, if, if they're going to stay out there top 10, if the Pelicans win this game, man, you look at those next two games and stuff, it, it, it's going to, it's going to start getting tough because they had dropped to 10 yesterday. And then they, uh, with, with that victory, pulled them back up to 11. So it, it's right there on that line, man. And it, it, it's, it's going to be interesting down the stretch, but the Lakers, schedule is extremely tough it's you just got to look at the Wizards Knicks and the Pelicans what they do I think it could that could have a bigger impact on it than actually what the Lakers do themselves because with their schedule man they're going to drop some games here over the next week and a half so they're just going to need that help coming around those other guys but um I know we're getting off track here um I I, I do want to talk about the, the Grizz ESPN all assets on Wednesday with the Brooklyn Nets and if you look at the advertisement building up to this thing, I mean, they built it up like it was going to be like this great, like day in Memphis where you get access to the team. They were going to have all these interviews. They were going to be in city, short all this stuff. And like, to be honest, man, I was extremely, extremely disappointed uh, with the coverage throughout the day, man. First off, it started with first take. You got Stephen A and Mad Dog on there. And Stephen A is talking about he's driving around the city and he, we got, all these Elvis billboards and there's no John Morant billboards. Now I live in this city and I can't remember the last time I seen the Elvis billboard. So that's complete, complete BS. That's just a bit that he made up and already had that in his mind before he even got here. But they're on there talking about Elvis versus Ja. And you got Mad Dog saying the Grizzlies haven't done anything and that they could possibly with the, with the wait till they run into LeBron James in the first round, which is almost impossible to happen right now. That that would happen to be the grid. The, the Lakers would have to catch the Clippers in order for that to happen, which they're four and a half games back. That's not not going to happen. So no re- research done there. And then they just kind of recycle these three videos. They had an a, a interview with John Malika Andrews. Um, they had a, about a, a 60-second clip of Destin Bain in the film room with Jalen Rose uh, talking about the flyby king and, and kind of the move that he makes and how that's been a big weapon for him this season. They also had a, a, a short video on Jaron Jackson Jr., and, and his fashion uh, interest. And they just kind of recycled those videos throughout the day on different shows. Like there was nothing new, really. Like we had already seen those, those on like the Grizzlies, all assets thing that they do on Grizzlies.com. So I had already seen all those videos. They just kind of showed those videos throughout the day. Didn't really show anything going on with the city. And I just think they missed an opportunity to show the soul of the city and 
all the cool stuff we have going on here. And then get the NBA Today, which was filmed at FedEx Forum. And as soon as that show comes on, you got Perk talking about how excited he's, how excited he is to be here in the city. Uh, that that he's glad that they got everybody here because this team deserves that. Then you get Richard Jefferson saying, "Well, that makes one of us for being excited to be in the city." And then he goes on to like, "Well, yeah, you and Shania Gwimake have a flight out at four thirty. And Richard Jefferson says, "Oh, I wish I had a three fifty five flight. I'd be out here on the first thing smoking." I'm like, "Come on, man!" I'm like, it, it, "And the thing about it is, it didn't even seem like he was joking. It would have been in poor taste even if he was joking, but it he seemed serious to me. And I just think that was extremely unprofessional, man. You're talking about." The team with the second best record in the league is supposed to be a day where you celebrate this team and you got them taking some some people taking slick shots at the city, man. I just I, I just wasn't a fan of it, man. I, I know people's old saying that any publicity is good good publicity, but I just I don't know. The game was fine. I think they did a a, a fantastic job with with the production of the game against the Nets that night. But throughout the day, man, I just think it, it didn't go over as what they advertised, and I just don't. I just think they missed a big opportunity because I mean Memphis is a really really cool city people outside of the city they have this negative negative connotation of the city and i think it's because they haven't been here um if you live here and come to the city man there are a lot of wonderful things here and i think a lot of different things they could have showcased i think there could have been more assets to to the team and everything like that man i just don't think it, it was what they promised man it's already go off on a tangent there no, 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 you're good man the one thing that really frustrated me about all of that uh, you know I, I agree with all of your points but I hated that they filmed everything at the forum. Yeah, I think there there are so many other locations that they could have used yeah. in the city to showcase the city, but everything was right there at the forum. And, and you know, Bill Street, it man, I I get all of that. Like the the time of year, the weather was not right for them to to film on. You know, like outside on Bill Street, but there there are other locations they could have used in the city to highlight the city and everything was just kind of focused right there at the forum. I know that's where the Grizzlies play. I get that. I understand it. But if it's going to be this showcase as they, they put it, you could have showcased the city a little bit more than what they done for sure. Yeah. Um, I, I just think, again, I just think it was a missed opportunity because again, I mean, it was, it was like they were in Memphis, but throughout the day, like most of the shows, I mean, they weren't, I just I felt like when they when they advertised it, they just they act like it was just gonna be this like huge deal, like it was gonna be all grizzlies, everything grizzly. It just wasn't wasn't that at all. Um, and and I feel like some of their the talent on on the station kind of said some things in a negative light. Richard Jefferson even put out a video the night before, uh, making fun of like when they found out John wasn't gonna play. Like, why are we here? Like, like I mean, I'm just, and I just don't understand what's the what's the reason for that. I I just don't get. It. I think Joe Mullinax. He actually, Richard Jefferson actually responded to him on Twitter. It was like, oh, it's because they beat me in the first round, and I, and, and I just don't like being there. Whatever, just some BS story. But I mean, it, it's it, it's just crazy. Like I don't understand. It's just unprofessional to me to to say that. Like I, a lot of people, some people might not have a bigger problem with it than I do. I just don't think. Even if you feel that way, I don't think there was any reason to say that on the air. And again, it didn't come off as a joke. Like he seemed seriously like he was ready to get out of there. Like he seemed disgusted to be here. And I, I really felt like that when I saw that on, on NBA Today. And Perk man, kind of told him, like, man, yeah, man, you need to cool off, man. This is this team is legit. Uh, the city loves this team. And, and Perk has been setting up for this, for this team all year, man. I definitely sent a shout-out to him, man, because it, it's real. He was sitting with Josh's dad uh, during the game. Um, and I think he really loves this team. It, it, I mean, when he was coming out of, out of high school, he was actually committed to the University of Memphis uh, before he decided to, to jump straight to the NBA. Uh, so he was actually going to come here to play basketball. So he's always been a, a friend, a friend to the city, and, and had a love for the city. So I, I definitely send respect to him. And he's one of the only national media guys that have really, really honed in on what's going on with this team. I think a lot of people are still hesitant to give this team full credit. I, it, it is crazy to me because I, when you, I listen to ESPN radio sometimes in the morning uh, with, with Kellerman and Keyshawn Johnson at J. Will. And, and a lot of different things, NBA on TNT, inside the NBA. And they'll be talking about the playoffs, uh, the, the Western Conference standings. And they'll just, and even the Eastern Conference, they'll just completely skip over the grids. They'll be talking about the Mavericks and what the Nuggets are going to do. And I'm like, this team is the, has the second best record in the NBA, second in the West. 
and how, like how are you going to completely skip over them? Like they'll talk about the the Warriors and what they're doing in the Phoenix, and they'll just skip over the Grizzlies. It's, it's just you just hate to see that, man. The thing that like what's wild to me about that the Grizzlies are sitting at fifty two wins right now, and if you look at the Eastern Conference, you look at the top of the Western Conference. There's a chance it, it's a long shot, but there's a chance that they're one of only two game or one of only two teams to win 50 games this year. It's not a guarantee that Golden State is going to win 50 games. Is it likely? Yeah, but you look at the top of this. You know, the Sixers are only at 46 wins. The Heat are at 47. The Heat are imploding right now. It would not yeah. surprise me at all if they didn't make it to 50. Boston. If I had to guess, Boston is probably the most likely team in the East to get to 50 wins. But w- what do they have to do? W- w- what line do they have to cross in order for them to start getting? Yeah, they're getting publicity, but there's still zero respect. And, and that's the, the, it's, there's a difference. There's a huge difference between getting national media exposure and getting the level of respect. I was so glad – when they beat the Nets without John Moran, yeah. I, I was, I'm like, if they had this Memphis day, Jaws not playing, and the Grizzlies go out here and get drummed by the Nets, it's going to be terrible. It's going to be bad. ESPN is not coming back to the city, but they didn't. The, the guys went out. The team showed out. You know, KD. It, it was it was the best of both worlds because as a basketball fan, you got to watch Kyrie Irving. <laughs> And Kevin Durant have fantastic games. As a fan of the Grizzlies, I got to watch that happen, and the Grizzlies got the win. And so it was it was a double win for me that day, and it was huge for the city because the Grizzlies have a history of getting on national television yeah. and dropping a deuce, and that that's that that's great that they didn't. Yeah, I, I think it, it went about as perfectly. The game itself went about as perfectly as you could have expected because it, it wasn't like a game where you had KD and Kyrie not playing well. I mean, they they went nuclear. They both combined for 78 points. And for the Grizzlies, without Ja to still be able to win that game, by double digits, went by 12 without Ja Morant on national TV. And I think they said that was the most watched Grizzlies game, I think, in a long time. Um, so a, a lot of people, a lot of people watch that Grizzlies game. A lot of people watch that game, and you, you, there's no way that you walk away from that game not not impressed. And, I, and you had Talent, you had Stephen A. Smith, and all these guys talking about that. He went on on next the next morning, singing the praises of the Grizzlies, saying that this team, these brothers are for real. Like I, like he was admitting that he kind of had some 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 thoughts on that maybe that this was kind of a fluke, which is crazy, which doesn't make any sense to me. But after that game, I think that was a real statement. Uh, by the team, and, and I just don't know what it takes because it's not like this is not a fluke. I mean, we're seventy something games into the season; it's almost over. And you're second best record in the West. I think they have the best record of, uh, against what you would call the elite teams in the NBA outside of Phoenix. I mean, this is not a fluke. I mean, this team passed every box that you want to check. They check it. This this is a legit second best record in the NBA team. This is not fluke type stuff. I mean, they missed nineteen games from their superstar player. They're seventeen and two in those games. I mean, this. This is not a fluke at all. This team has earned everything that they've gotten. Um, and, and we'll just see how it translates in the playoffs. But there's no reason to, to doubt this team and, and overlook this team. And we talked about teams like five, six, seven seed and, and not mentioning this team. Uh, but, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, the game coming up on Monday against the Warriors, a lot of people are talking about the tiebreaker. The, the interesting thing about it is the Grizzlies are going to have the tiebreaker regardless. Even if they lose their game on Monday, because the second – tiebreaker goes to division winner if two teams end up tied and one team is a division winner and the other one isn't the team with division winner wins the tiebreaker so even if the Warriors do win that game on Monday I don't expect them to I think with the Grizzlies playing the way they're playing unless they have a bad game or or, or revert back to some of the bad things they've been doing I think they win that game but even if they would lose it in the season series tied two to two the Grizzlies are going to win that tiebreaker and looking at the standings right now in order for the Grizzlies to secure the two seed all they have to do is go four and three. If they go four and three, the, the best that Golden State can do is time, and, and the Grizzlies will win that tiebreaker. So it, it's looking really good unless something goes off the rails here. I, I think the Grizzlies win four more games out of the seven. You talk about five and two would get you the, the record. So both of those things, I mean, I think are really, really in reach for this team. I know it's going to be tough. You got some tough games, but playing the way they're playing, man, I can see them going five and two.
Yeah, and, and that's, you know, Golden State coming in. They're going to be flying in from Washington, second night of a back-to-back. The Grizzlies are off Saturday and Sunday, so they're going to be rested heading into this game. There are a lot of things that point to but the, the way the Grizzlies have been playing. They, they're they capable of beating anybody, first off, but there are a lot of things that are lining up here to where the Grizzlies are going to be in a good spot to win that game. And yeah. if the Grizzlies do win that game, that's going to all but secure the two seed. It, it's going to have oh, to yeah. be a, yeah. a train wreck from there. If they win this game Monday against Golden State, they're going to have to almost completely fall apart to lose it. And, and that's um, – I just the way this coaching staff has been this year and Taylor Jenkins, I, I I don't get this. I don't see anybody outside of Memphis talking about Taylor Jenkins for coach of the year. I, I understand what Monty is doing in Phoenix, but that team was expected. Yeah, it was more expected. Yeah. That team was expected to be where they're at. And and I don't want to take away from – I'm not a huge fan of bashing somebody to lift somebody else up. So I, I, I'm not taking this as a, as a shot at Phoenix. I appreciate what Monty is doing out there and what that coaching staff has been able to do with that team. They missed Chris Paul for a little while. He, came, he just came back. Devin Booker's playing at a crazy high level. Phoenix has the best record in the league for a reason. They're a great team. But I still see, and I've said, you know, in the past, Eric Spolstra, because of what he's been able to do with that team and all of the injuries should be in the conversation. But you look at what kind of situation they've got going on down there yeah, right now. It's falling apart, man. It, it, it doesn't look good. But I just, I get sick and tired of not seeing the Memphis guys getting mentioned in those conversations. I, I don't want to keep dragging this out. We can run into the box scores and get out of here. But but I, I said all of that about the, the coaches. Taylor Jenkins should 100% be in – it should be, in my opinion, it should be a two-man race. I'm fine with Monty being in there, but I think because of what Taylor Jenkins was able to do with this squad and the expectations headed into the season that he should be coach of the year. I'm not biased at all. So, you know, you can take that <laughs> however you want. But the, this team's second-best record in the league coming into the year, you did not expect them to be there. I know, you know, our win projections, they've surpassed those a long time ago. Nobody expected the Grizzlies to be a 50-win team this year at all. Yeah, and I know we're Grizzly guys, but I, I don't think that's biased at all. I think the fact that you just laid out, I, I think I think extremely high Monty. I think he's – Definitely one of the best coaches in the league. I don't think there's any question about that. I've always thought that he was a really good coach, and, and they missed Chris Paul, and they continued to roll. But like you said, I mean, that team was in the NBA Finals last year. I, I mean, and coming back, I mean, that was team was expected to be really good. Coming to this season, we were talking about just hoping this Grizzlies team could could stay above the, the, the play-in line. Like, if they finished sixth, that would be kind of fifth or sixth. That would be kind of the ceiling for this team. And they just blown past that. With a lot of injuries, I mean, you've missed – Jaws missed 19 games this year. I mean, that's a guy averaging 26, 27 points a game for you. He's missed 19 games, and you're 17-2 and two without him. Like, that's something that nobody else can say that. No other coach can can put that resume up this season with some of the things that Taylor Jenkins and his staff is doing. I think the development of players, you saw what I was, the player desires turned into – I mean, I, I just think to have the second-best record in the NBA for a team that had – win projections of like 40, 41 games. I, I just think when you take all that to the account and you take it to account that the Phoenix Suns were expected to be really good, I, I think it has to be Taylor Jenkins. Same thing with Jaron Jackson, Jr., defensive player of the year. I think, to me, he should be the defensive player of the year. And I think outside of Memphis, I don't think anybody really feels that. And it's it, it's crazy to me uh, that we're seeing that. But before we jump into the box score and get out of here, uh, I've been kind of putting out daily kind of the Grizzlies rooting guide for what Grizzlies fans should be rooting for that night, and got got some got 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 one weird one tonight. You got Detroit and New York. Of course, you want Pistons to win that game uh, to keep New York. New York helps uh, keep to keep the Lakers at bay and keep them above that 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 ten line. Um, you also got the Lakers at New Orleans. And you hope LeBron James plays in that one. That's a huge one, as I talked about earlier. But Golden State and Washington. I, I know most people would think, oh well, you'd want uh, Washington to win that game, but. I actually think I want Golden State to win the game. And, and the reason 
why is that two seeds a lot safer uh, than, than your chance of getting that pick. I think Washington, Washington uh, losing that game does a lot more for you. I think the Grizz are going to get the two seed unless they fall apart here going down the stretch. you got seven games left. Again, as I laid out, you know, they only have to go four and three. And that doesn't even have to include a win over the Warriors. They could lose to the Warriors tomorrow night. As long as they go four and three, they're going to be the two seed. So I think that's a lot safer. I think Washington losing does a lot more for you right now because it's going to be dire with the Lakers schedule, man. You're gonna they're gonna need all the help they can get to kind of stay stay eleven and above. So we'll 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 see what happens with that. But again, man, I think you want Detroit to beat the Knicks, obviously Lakers to obviously win over New Orleans, and tonight I, I think I want the Warriors to win over Washington. Also goes to into one of my theories that I've talked about here on the show in the past, where decent to, to really good teams, when they play on back-to-back, they usually don't lose both games. So if the Warriors lose tomorrow night, I think that gives them even more motivation coming here to Memphis, not meaning that they, that can't happen. But I just think I just think it's better for Golden State to win tonight. I think it's twofold. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think that it's going to be tough for the the Warriors either way. But you're making that travel from Washington heading in. Yeah, it, it's I'm fine with the the Warriors winning that game tonight because, like you said, I I feel like the two seed is way way safer than than that pick. And Coach Jenkins was asked about that. He's like, do you? Um, I don't remember which guy asked him, but he said that the two and three seed, th- does that matter to you? And Coach Jenkins said, no. Like, it, yeah. it, was, it was very – there was no hesitation. There was no him hawing around. Yeah. It was cut and dry. I, I didn't like that. No. <laughs> and, and I get it because you still, like, as a three seed, you have home court in the first round. Two seed, you would have it. You would secure it in the second round as well. But – I, I'm I'm fine. Like I'm okay with the Warriors winning tonight. I don't know that it gives the Grizzlies any better of a chance to beat them tomorrow night on that second game of a back-to-back. But I think if they lose tonight in Washington, then they're going to come out tomorrow night in in Memphis, really fired like, up trying to win. Like that desperate, game. yeah. So I, I just I, I don't think it. Like I said, like you said, I don't think it makes a big difference. But that's just kind of a, a, a little extra incentive, I think. The, the pick part of it and, and watch the losing, I think is bigger, bigger than, than it giving them any kind of advantage. But again, that's just something, something a little, little bit extra that I threw in that makes it even more reason why I think it would be better. Cause I mean, what would that put the Grizzlies up? Uh, what would that be four? If they have Golden State lost that game tonight. Uh, so the Grizz would be up four. I, I just think with seven games left again, I, I don't see the Grizzlies faltering down the stretch for what it would take for Golden State to, to pass them. Cause at this point they would have to pass them. They'd have to be one game, better. I, I just don't see that. Golden State has some tough games left as well and, and they're not going to have Steph. I, I don't I just don't see that in the cards. Even if they win tonight, I think it's going to be hard. And it's, I believe the Grizzlies are going to win Monday. I have confidence that they're going to win that game. So uh, I'm going to be rooting for the Warriors tonight. I, I know that a lot of people might think that sounds crazy but this this pick and, and we've seen some people on Twitter kind of say that it's a, it's a shout out to my, my guy Ryan G man. A great, great Grizz fan man. Love interacting with him on Twitter. And he said he said later he was joking. I don't know if he was joking. I think people were piling on, and he just kind of just bagged off of it. But he was saying that he didn't really care about the pick. And there's been some other people that have said that as well. And I I just don't understand that thinking that that pick is huge because you look back to that trade. That was your you get Stephen Adams, and he's been a revelation for this team. There's no doubt about that. I think better for this team than than Valanciunas would have been. Not saying that he's a better player. They're just different. He fits more of what the team needed. But the, your your the feather out of that that trade was that pick, and this is, and, and I don't understand. I, I'm kind of surprised the Grizzlies allowed this to be the case. Maybe they just felt like there was no chance that it wouldn't convey. But this is a one and done thing. If you don't get it this year, it turns into two seconds. I think you get a second this year, and I think it's a second in 25. So this is this is it. If you don't get that pick, you're not getting a first round pick out of this trade. And I think. Outside of, of moving JV for the reason we talked about to open up the lane for Jared and Jaw and all that, I think get that pick was the the big deal in this in this trade. If this don't happen, man, you're not gonna get that pick. So this is big, and I think it changes your ceiling of what you can do this season because you have those three picks. They can have a lot of options. I mean, you could package those three picks to trade up in the draft. If somebody in in the top top ten that you that you really like is keying on a lot of guys that I think that would fit that criteria. 
you could possibly move up to the first. You could move, make use those picks to move in a trade for a veteran. I mean, there's a lot of things that that you could do with those picks, and that having that pick in the in the in the top fifteen changes the trajectory because those other two picks are too late first. That 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 mid mid first round pick is big. Uh, I mean, for what what they could do. So hopefully they find a way that they, they end up getting it again. Even if the Lakers end up in the top ten, if they make the play in. And with AD back, they somehow make the playoffs. The Grizzlies would still get that pick. It would just drop down out of the lottery into the piece of the 15 or 16 picks with them making the playoffs. So still opportunity out there. But again, I want to go into the play-in with it. You knowing that you're going to get the pick, the question only being where the pick is going to land. I I got a question for you. Do you think that they were so high on Zaire that that's why they were like, all right, we're fine with this pick stipulation. Man, I, I have some questions about that. I, I know I know that they, they said they love Zaire. He was their guy that they loved him for a couple of years. But there's also been some talk that Giddy was really their guy and, and that they that, that that's the reason why they traded up and he ended up going to OKC before they picked. That's an interesting thing. Like, I, I know what they've said about Zaire. And I, do, I, don't, I don't question the fact that they love Zaire. But that does that mean that they love them more than Giddy? That that's the question that you asked there. But that that could be. I mean that that could be the deal. Um, it just surprised me that they didn't at least go two years with it. That's a pretty stiff stipulation. But I, I think they probably felt like, oh, there's no chance that the Lakers are going to end up in the top ten anyway. So I don't think they felt like it was any risk. But but here we are, man. That's nobody would have thought that coming into the season, man, that we would even be sweating this out. Um, I, I kind of said early in the season. When the Lakers were struggling, I was like, man, this might not go so well. But I figured that it would end up – I didn't feel that we'd be here. Like, I felt like there might be a little bit of question after seeing them playing, but I didn't think we'd get to the point to where we're at danger zone where we're seven games left in the season, and that's that's definitely where we are right now with it. Yeah, and, you know, like I've been – I interact with uh, quite a few different Pelicans people on Twitter, and they're just, you know, licking their chops, hoping that yeah. that pick stays with them. So we'll see. Still, still a lot of work to do. Hopefully the Lakers can uh, be good enough to to convey that pick to the Grizzlies. We'll see what yeah, happens. Yeah, I was gonna say real quick. I've been seeing some some Pelicans people playing around on Tankathon. They keep putting these screenshots out with the Pelicans getting the number one and number two pick. I was like, man, <laughs> how many how many times did you have to run it to get that to show yeah. up? And if, <laughs> hey, I, I'm not. If that happens, I ain't even gonna be mad. That that is. Just man, that'd be ridiculous insane, luck. <laughs> if, it, if it goes down like that, you know, all right, well done. Congratulations to you all. What are you going to do with them? How are you going to be able to handle it? We'll see how that goes. So, man, let's run through the, this box score real quick. I'll pass that off to you, and then we'll get out of here. It's been a great show. Yes, man. And the Grizzlies, man, you like to see this 49 or 102, that 102 number. Love to see the Grizzlies get a lot of shots up, because that's usually when they have the most success as they win games by getting extra possessions, put up extra shots. Uh, but that they haven't really needed that lately, the way they've been knocking down threes. But they go 49 to 102 for 48%. Uh, uh, Milwaukee 37 to 93. So nine more shots on goal. They go 37 to 93 for 39.8%. Uh, the three-point range, Grizzlies go 13 to 37 for 35%. So they hit that 35% marker last night. Milwaukee, not good from, from downtown. Seven of 32 for 21.9%. I think the Grizz did a lot, a really good job on perimeter defense. Uh, Grizz plus five in attempts, plus six in makes. Uh, so that's a plus, plus 18 points for the Grizz from the three-point line. Free throw shooting, man, still, still not good, man. 16 to 23 for 69.6%. Man, you just, you got to get that number up to 78, 80%, man. That's where you want it. I, I don't know if that's going to happen. This has been a problem all season, as, as David has laid out. Uh, so not a good night last night. Milwaukee goes 21 to 26 for 80.8%. So Bucks plus three in attempts, plus five in makes. Uh, so the Grizzlies between the three-point line and free throw line, Grizz with a 13-point advantage there. Uh, rebounds, 54 uh, rebounds for the Grizzlies, 16 offensive rebounds. Uh, six of those blown to Steven Adams. Another big night uh, on the board for him uh, with 11 rebounds. Man, also had five assists last night, man, and two blocks. I mean, he's just been fantastic for this team, but that's off subject a little bit. But Milwaukee, 46 uh, for 46 see- overall rebounds. So did you see him the the video pregame of him in the hall? Oh man, yeah, <laughs> yeah, Aquaman, man, <laughs> yeah, man, love <laughs> yeah, it, man. He, I love he, it he, for the culture, man. <laughs> but uh, 40, 46 uh, rebounds for the for the Bucks. 
14 offensive rebounds. Grizzlies hit that 30, 30 assist marker. I think they have a really good record. I'm not, again, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but the 30 assists, they do really well when they hit that number to 19 for Milwaukee. Uh, 10 steals for the Grizzlies, uh, getting out in passing lanes. Man, shout out to, to Zaire Williams, man. He had one where he came up with the claw, man, just cupped it and, and, and stole the ball. That length, when, when, when he really puts it all together, man, he's going to be a tremendous defender. He's definitely made strides on that, that end of the floor. Uh, just needs to think, get a little bit little bit stronger, but his length is going to be a problem, I think, going forward. Uh, but 10, 10 steals for the Grizz, the four for Milwaukee. Nine blocks for the Grizz, man, block party every night for this team. Uh, to, to seven for Milwaukee. Only eight turnovers in the game uh, for the Grizzlies. Uh, they get 17 points off, uh, 14 turnovers from Milwaukee. Uh, 18 fast break points to 17. Uh, 66 points in the paint, which Grizzlies always do big work there to 50 for Milwaukee. Just just a, a complete win, man. Uh, not not a lot of negatives at all that you can, can take out of this game uh, from last night. Yeah, it, it was um, on the way home. I was talking to a guy. He asked me, he's like, you guys go to the game? And I'm like, yeah. He said, how was it? And I'm like, well, when, you know, the, the Grizzlies won it going away, but the the game was definitely, without a doubt, it was one when Giannis was not on the floor. The Grizzlies, you know, Giannis was a negative 10 last night, so even when he was on the floor, the Grizzlies were winning. But they really, when, when the, they're, the Bucks offense just looked lost when he was not on the floor. They really missed Drew Holiday last night. Yeah. And I'm I'm fine with it. I'm good with them missing him and the and the Grizzlies winning this game. But huge win. I mean Grizzlies missing John too. So I mean, yeah, 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 absolutely. I'm feeling sorry for I'm definitely not. No, that that's not what that was. But we'll go ahead and get out of here, man. Uh, again, enjoy this show. There was a lot to unpack. Isaac wasn't able to to be on with us. Wasn't feeling well after the Nets game. So uh, you can get the show on Twitter. Go over and find us at Ethos Grizzlies. I'm at David W two one one one. Candace was not here with us today, but she is at Seahawks nine zero one. That's the letter C H A W K S nine zero one. I got to give a shout out to Derek. Derek went and left us a five star review earlier in the month. He said, uh, "Hold on, I'm going to pull it up. I got to read it word for word because oh man, it's, it's pretty Derek, good. Man, we appreciate that. Yeah, uh, listening to the host and guests, you'd think Dylan Brooks was the second coming of Michael Jordan with the <laughs> laughing emoji. He's like, I love the unintentional comedy. Five stars, and Derek, we appreciate you leaving a five star review. If you're listening to the show, you like what you're listening to, go over and leave us a review. It helps us out. It helps people find us. Derek, thanks again. We appreciate you, Isaac. Let them know where they can find you and get us out of here, man." Yeah, man, big week coming up for the Grizzlies, man. You got Golden State on Monday, which we know that that's that's a big game. Uh, then they go to the road to get a day off. You at San Antonio on Wednesday night, and you you follow that up with Phoenix at the Forum on, on Friday. Uh, so so a big week and, and an opportunity for the Grizzlies to continue moving toward toward locking up this two seed. But you can find me on Twitter at Isaac underscore Rivals. That's I S A A C underscore Rivals. Again, make sure you go over to at Ethos Grizzlies. Five-star reviews, man. We love that, man. That, that's good stuff. Thanks, Derek. Definitely appreciate that. Uh, we'll be back uh, sometime early next week for the post game. We'll be talking about Grizzlies Warriors. Hopefully, we'll be talking about a big victory. And I think, as David said earlier, man, if Grizzlies win that game, I think it, it's going to be really hard for the Warriors to kind of come back to the season. I think that's pretty much locked it up.